This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Immunizations by Christina Callis and Dr. Laura Scheel. Learning Objectives By the end of this video, the viewer will be able to understand the impact of childhood vaccines on disease incidence and morbidity, describe how immunizations work, explain which vaccines are given at each well-child check, recognize special circumstances that affect the vaccine schedule. At the time of this publication, the COVID-19 vaccine was under review for full authorization for pediatric patients. We will not be covering the COVID-19 vaccine in this video, but please visit the CDC website for the most up-to-date information to help inform patients and families. Introduction In the United States, vaccinations begin within hours of birth and continue through childhood, adolescence, and adulthood. Childhood immunization has been one of the most successful medical interventions for preventing certain illnesses. According to the CDC, diseases such as varicella, diphtheria, haemophilus influenza, measles, mumps, rubella, and polio have all seen over 95% decreases in disease incidence with the introduction of vaccines. How Vaccines Work In general, a vaccine is comprised of antigens that are recognized and digested by macrophages. Helper T-cells recognize the antigen on the surface of the macrophage, and they activate the other immune cells such as B-cells and cytotoxic T-cells. Cytotoxic T-cells will destroy any cell with the antigen. B-cells develop into plasma cells that will produce antibodies that bind the antigen and mark the cell for destruction. Some become memory T or B-cells that will be activated if the body is exposed again to that antigen. In vaccines containing capsular polysaccharides, such as conjugate vaccines, a T-cell independent B-cell response is elicited. There are multiple types of vaccines you should be familiar with. Live attenuated vaccines contain weakened live pathogens and cannot be given to children with immunodeficiency. Inactivated vaccines contain killed or inactivated viruses or bacteria. Conjugate vaccines combat bacteria with polysaccharide capsules. Polysaccharide antigens produce a weak immune response, so they are conjugated to a protein carrier to enhance the immune response. Toxoid vaccines contain weakened toxins absorbed to aluminum or calcium salts to enhance the immune response. Subunit vaccines contain only antigens from the pathogen, which leads to fewer side effects but also a weaker immune response. While vaccines can cause side effects, most of these are mild, such as local redness or soreness, feistiness, and or low-grade fever, and resolve in a couple of days. There are a few conditions and contraindications, such as severe allergic reaction, that would preclude a child from receiving a specific vaccine, but this is beyond the scope of this video. Schedule Oftentimes in the clinic or on an exam, you will be presented with a patient at her well-child visit and may be asked which vaccine she is due for today. In these cases, it is helpful to break down vaccines by the age they are given. There are nuances to the vaccine schedule and some vaccines can be given over a range of months. A detailed vaccination schedule for infants and young children can be found on the CDC or AAP website. For the purposes of this video, 
we will cover the basic timetable for a healthy child, but it is important to confirm the timetable of the clinic you practice in. Additionally, children may require special vaccines or earlier vaccination if traveling. It is important to ask about travel and consult the CDC guidelines to ensure proper vaccination. At birth, children will receive their first dose of hepatitis B vaccine. While not a vaccine, you should also remember that all newborns receive a vitamin K shot to prevent bleeding and erythromycin ointment to prevent blindness from gonorrhea and chlamydia. At the two-month visit, an infant may receive six vaccines. They can get the second dose of hepatitis B if not given earlier. They will also be due for their first doses of DTaP, diphtheria, tetanus, and acellular pertussis. Haemophilus influenza type B, or H-flu, pneumococcal conjugate, or PCV13, inactivated polio, and rotavirus. Remember, not all vaccines are shots. Rotavirus is an oral solution. At four months, they will receive five vaccines. Infants get their second dose of DTaP, H-flu, PCV13, inactivated polio, and rotavirus vaccines. At the six-month visit, infants get the third dose of hepatitis B, DTaP, H-flu, PCV13, inactivated polio, and rotavirus. At six months, they can also receive their first dose of the influenza vaccine. Of note, children need a second dose at a minimum of four weeks after they receive the first dose of the influenza vaccine. After that, they can receive the influenza vaccine annually. A 12-month-old child will receive their fourth and final dose of the H-flu vaccine and PCV13. Infants now need their first dose of MMR, or measles, mumps, rubella, varicella, and hepatitis A vaccines. At the 15-month visit, an infant can receive the fourth DTaP vaccine. At 18 months, children can receive their second dose of hepatitis A vaccine if the first dose was given at least six months prior. Between four and six years old, children receive final doses of DTaP, inactivated polio, MMR, and varicella. Vaccines for older children include meningococcal, Tdap, or tetanus, diphtheria, and acellular pertussis, and human papillomavirus, or HPV, vaccines. Between 11 and 12 years old, adolescents receive their first dose of those three vaccines. Of note, if the first HPV dose is given before age 15, the series consists of two doses separated by 6 to 12 months. The first dose can be initiated as early as 9 years of age. If the series is initiated at age 15 or older, the teenager must receive three doses. The second dose should be given four weeks after the first dose, and the third dose should be scheduled six months after the first dose. At 16 years old, teenagers receive the second dose of the meningococcal vaccine. Special Circumstances There are many special circumstances that affect the vaccine schedule, and we will cover only a few of them here. For example, children with sickle cell disease, or anatomic or functional asplenia, HIV, or immunodeficiency require additional immunizations. If you are seeing a child in clinic with any of these conditions or other chronic conditions, you can refer to the vaccine schedule for specific guidelines. One vaccine recommended for only some children is a pneumococcal polysaccharide vaccine, or PPSV23. This vaccine should be administered for children with a variety of conditions, including chronic heart disease, chronic lung disease, or diabetes. Once over the age of two, a child with any of these conditions should receive one dose of PPSV23 at least eight weeks after a previous PCV13 dose. Children with sickle cell disease, asplenia, 
HIV, renal failure, malignancies, or children treated with immunosuppressive drugs should also receive one dose at least eight weeks after PCV-13 in addition to a second dose of PPSV-23 five years later. Another special circumstance concerns the meningococcal vaccine in children with sickle cell disease, anatomic or functional asplenia, or HIV. You can reference the CDC or AAP website for the recommended formulations and timetable, in addition to confirming with the clinic you are working in. Summary In summary, immunization has successfully reduced the rates of many childhood illnesses. Vaccines work to provoke an immune response in order to prepare the body for exposure to very serious pathogens. The vaccine schedule provides detailed information about timing and doses of each vaccine for your patients. During your clinical years, you may encounter a patient or family who has concerns or questions about vaccines. It is important to try to understand the concerns of families who do not wish to vaccinate their children and engage in respectful conversation about vaccination at every visit. There are many helpful resources on the CDC website for you, the provider, and the patient. These include handouts on how vaccines work, how they are tested for safety, the childhood vaccine schedule, specific vaccine information sheets, and more. Thank you for watching this video on immunizations. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.